someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. It's time for Team's Top 3. Ha-ha, Tiny Timmy. Away! You're a genius. One. Well, thank you very much. I know that. Uh, let me tell you about Tim's top three. Within the top three, <laughs> what are the top? Th- what are the top three things uh, that Missouri could do to become a better place to live, work, and raise a family? We could take care of our situation in our urban areas, and yes, right here in Springfield as well. Before it gets out of hand regarding crime, we can have better educational options and parental choice, and we can become a right-to-work state. I'll develop those a little bit more, but those are the top three things. There's a lot of things. I think those are some of the top three things that our neighbors. I, how do I? Why? Why? I don't say this in a vacuum. Many of our neighboring states, with the exception of the People's Republic of Illinois, do or have all of those things, and that's why they continue to crush us when we should be leading the way here in the Midwest. Love Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, some of these other great governors, Christy Nome, but I'm tired of saying how awesome they are. Why don't we have a Christy Nome or Ron DeSantis or a Greg Abbott or a Kevin Stitt, like in Oklahoma, or a Sarah Huckabee Sanders or a Kim Reynolds? Why do I say that? Because... They're proudly putting on their Twitter feeds and sending out their public statement notices about the taxes they're cutting, the educational options they're providing, and the fact that they're moving their states forward, whereas we're talking about what here in Missouri? Crickets, because we can't get anything done. It's ridiculous with a supermajority of Republicans. Can you tell I'm fired up about it? Let's do number two. The Biden administration sued again for stonewalling on records on Pete Booty Judge's use of private jets. <coughs> Boy, if there was ever a guy who'd, who'd like to find his name. I mean, he just looks like a booty judge, doesn't he? <coughs> I'm not sure what that means. Good evening, godless sodomites. Now, that's not nice. We're going to get in trouble for that. That's not nice. That's transphobic. <coughs> exactly. Well, I don't even know what it is. The Pete Booty Judge. You know, chest feeding and mansplaining and birthing parenting along using your taxpayer dollars to jet here, there and everywhere as bridges are crumbling, railroads are exploding and airlines can't get anywhere on time. Does this guy do anything other than put together fancy Oxford level word salads that mean nothing and do less? Me thinks not. How about we do... Number three. This is interesting. Cast, there's hope for you yet. Italian prince reveals why he's renouncing his throne to a 19-year-old influencer daughter of his. So, Cast, being that you're a TikTok star, you can be royalty as well. And that's I Tim's have top like three. Three followers. Well, you know, you could work <laughs> on that. That's Tim's top three part two for us. I don't know. What is today? Thursday, June the 15th. Happy birthday to my daughter, Katie, 2023. You're a genius. Io Silva! Away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. Cass, that's the best sounder ever. <laughs> I thought it would make up for me playing this sounder. That's, Cass is right. All the time. <laughs> this is a good point. <laughs> only, my gift to so, you. <laughs> only here. So how, so how about you, we... Um, go ahead. I'm sorry, Don. Were you saying something? I was I'm just going to say, only here will you. That's can, can you hear um, ch- chest feeding and the U.S. Transportation Secretary's name being mentioned in the same sentence? 
Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's for sure. And an Italian prince renouncing his throne. Yes. Yes. So, <clears throat> Prince, I, I, honestly, did either of you know that Italy, and I'm, I'm, I'm a quarter Italian, and I love the Italian people, and I have a lot of connections to Italy. I had no idea. Did, uh, did either of you know that Italy still had royalty? I, I had no idea. I did. I think I, I knew this. That. Yeah. Okay. So, Prince Emmanuel Filiberto of Savoy, also known as the Prince of Venice, is heir of Italy's last king. Hmm. <clears throat> so, is there no more? Uh, is there no more royalty? Okay. Here's the headline: Italian prince explains decision to renounce his throne to fashion model daughter who is currently 19 years old. Now, look, hey, back in the day, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that happened a lot. And, a lot, and sometimes there were younger people than that who took the throne, right? We, we hear all the time about the boy, the boy king and the, the girl queen and all that. Uh, queen Elizabeth, you know, Game she took the thrones. throne. <laughs> queen Victoria. I mean, they all took the throne at very young ages. Um, king Tut. So, yeah. <clears throat> He was deformed. He was a product of incest. (laughs) King Tut. You guys remember that song? Yeah. My childhood. I do. Yes. (laughs) It's a goofy song. I don't know why I remembered that. Prince Emmanuel Filiberto of Savoy is ready to give up his title in honor of a more modern approach to the monarchy. The Italian prince confirmed to Fox News Digital that he plans to renounce his claim to the throne for his daughter, Princess. Vittoria, not Victoria, Vittoria. The 19-year-old, who is currently studying political science and art history in the UK, is also a fashion model with about 85,000 followers on Instagram. We are in a world where there are a lot of changes. Well, that's for sure. A lot of quick changes, and I really like the approach that today the younger generation can take on uncertain matters. Oh, boy, said the patriarch. I do not want to, let's say, block my daughter until I become very old and perhaps take some wonderful things away from her that she could do. All right. Um, What else does he say? At the moment, she's studying. She also needs to do her life and her career because we are not, oh, we are not a reigning monarchy. She has to work to gain money. Oh, so they literally, they literally are monarchy in name only. They are they don't even have as much power as the monarchy in the UK, who are also kind of figureheads, but they're still considered reigning monarchs. They still enjoy the riches of the land, whereas these folks are it's just merely titles Uh, because he says here that she has to work to gain money. She loves art history. She wants to open a gallery. She wants to work with young artists. When I feel she's ready, I'll be very pleased to do a step behind and let her take the role of chief of the royal family in Italy. Um, The the Telegraph first reported the 50-year-old's plans on June 7th. According to the outlet, the House of Savoy ruled from 1861 to 1946. At the time, the country was known as the Kingdom of Italy. The House of Savoy was established in the 11th century. Wow. Italians voted to abolish the monarchy and become a republic 
after the family's disastrous support of dictator Benito Mussolini. Okay, so they haven't been a reigning monarchy for a long time, so I wasn't really missing anything. The family fled to Rome in 1943 to avoid an invading German army, People Magazine previously reported. According to the outlet, King Umberto II left for Portugal. Male heirs of the royal family were banished from Italy until 2002. At the time, Parliament voted to end the exile and allow them to return as ordinary citizens. Umberto II, Italy's last reigning king, passed away in 1983 at the age of 78. Okay. Well, that's an interesting story. And young Princess Vittoria will be finding her own way and perhaps eventually one day to the throne in Italy that no longer exists. So there you have it. <laughs> Fox News, man. They, they dig up some interesting stuff. All right, we got to get to a break. It's 7.15 here in the Heartland. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dakota Wood, Senior Research Fellow for Defense Programs at the Center for National Defense. Is there anything to this Biden-Burisma bribery scandal? What should you know about it? Why should you be concerned? And will anyone in the deep state of Washington, D.C. eventually care? 93.3 AM 560 KWTO traffic from the KWTO traffic center starting to get some of that sunshine out there on your drive in and we do expect it to be a very pleasant drive in this morning and then also again as you're heading home this afternoon uh, no big rain chances across the area today I'm looking at the traffic cameras now at I-44 and Highway 65 and uh, traffic definitely picking up on the interstate also uh, traffic picking up vehicles merging onto. 44 from 65. Analysis opinion. This is a crisis. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. It go beer on a Friday night. There's no doubt in my mind that this president is corrupt. I just, I really do feel that unless we run an impeachment, I don't think that the FBI or the DOJ is going to do their job and hold him to the same standard of justice that, for example, um, Representative Mace or myself would be held to if this had been us in the same situation. Hard to uh, disagree or argue there with Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna, who is saying that Joe Biden, in her mind, She's arguing he doesn't receive the same level of scrutiny from the Department of Justice as others. That's absolutely 1,000% correct. Let's see what our next see if our next guest agrees with me or not on that. As usual, he is joining us once again here on a Thursday morning. Dakota Wood, Senior Research Fellow for Defense Programs at the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. Dakota, good morning to you. Welcome back to KWTO. Hey, it's a great day being with you. Thanks, thanks for having me on yet again. Thank you so much, Dakota. So, Dakota, there was, a, there was a bit of a bombshell. Well, in some outlets this week, it was a bombshell. Others completely ignored the fact that the bomb went off. Uh, Red State, specifically, Dakota, reporting that Burisma founder Nikola Zlachevsky, who mm. allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden, is also a Russian foreign intelligence service asset. I mean, Dakota, in a normal world, these types of allegations involving these types of individuals would at least get a passing glance from the corporate corrupt uh, from the from the national corporate I call them corrupt from the national corporate yep. media, wouldn't they, Dakota? Well, even as clickbait, right? I mean, you know, yes. it, it used to be what if it bleeds, it leads. So, regardless of political leaning, uh, you would drive you know viewers to your television show or listeners to radio or on your website today 
and they even ignored that, you know, potential. So it just goes to show you how biased most of these media outlets are, right? I mean, suppressing uh, even the allegation, you know, something that is actually newsworthy uh, to uh, get some kind of preferential outcome on how the uh, the public views these various candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dakota, what would it mean if this if this were true? This mm-hmm. would be very serious stuff, right? That the by, that the president of the United States, when he was the sitting vice president of the United States, was mm-hmm. having dealings with uh, this this Burisma founder, who's also apparently an allegedly an asset of the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service. Uh, and, 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 and massive amounts of money are exchanging hands. Uh, very serious stuff, right? Well, I, I think money is the most common corrupting influence in just about any pursuit, right? You know, sports, business, politics, you know, especially, right? People just can't seem to, um, avoid taking that bait in some way. So I, I, you know, there are all these allegations being listed, but, you know, you will recall clearly, uh, the whole uh, Russia bit with Donald Trump, right? That mm-hmm. he was cozying mm-hmm. up too much mm-hmm. uh, to Vladimir Putin. He was you know, viewed as being a stooge or an agent, you know, in a sense. I mean, those were the charges, the allegations. And, you know, the, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and all the other things that came out of the Department of Justice, once they were uncovered and after the election had been won by the Democrats, proved that all of that was absolutely false. And yet here you have an analogous sort of situation, right, where, um, you know, the, the president uh, in his capacity, as you mentioned, vice president, had some kind of business dealings, uh, largely indirectly you know, through his son or others. And if you recall back then, uh, Biden was on uh, tape or camera bragging about how he had pressured Ukrainian officials to um, uh, reduce uh, looking into the affairs of his son in this relationship with Burisma, if I have that right. And, uh, you know, so it's just, again, it's more and more evidence that the media reports what they want to report in order to shape public perceptions of what's going on. Mm. Speaking to Dakota Wood of the Heritage Foundation, Dakota, two stories that I found very troubling over the last week or so that I wanted to get your comment on and and try to explain to our audience what it might mean. Uh, Number one, the story about China wanting to, you know, sidle up ever closer in a nefarious Mm -hmm. way to the United States of America, uh, planning apparently to build a secret new spy base. I guess it's not so much of a secret anymore, but they want to build a spy base in Cuba. That's one story. Dakota, the other story is the one that keeps popping up about these potential plans that have been brewing for the last six to eight months regarding the Biden administration's very quiet, careful extrication of Americans from Taiwan. Dakota, what is the concern as to each one of these stories and are they connected in any way? Well, the news broke about the the, uh, spying uh, by China out of Cuba as they were uh, intent on building some kind of a facility. Uh, the, the Biden administration said, no, that's not the case. You know, it's uh, uh, false reporting. And then just within a week or so after that, they had to admit, no, actually, we know that the Chinese have been doing this in some capacity since 2019. So, again, in possession of knowledge or truth, uh, avoiding or denying it and being forced 
to be you know more upfront and honest in the reporting because the evidence was just overwhelming. So I think it can be in various flavors or shades and that uh, China or anybody else can be in Cuba or some other country and using uh, the diplomatic mission as a cover or you know, some aspect and conducting this uh, cyber surveillance signals intelligence, uh, a lot of military bases down in the American Southeast uh, part, and as radio transmissions or computers are used to, to do various things, they want to tap into that or listen in on what's going on. So you could be doing that for a while. And then you could also take the next step of actually building a dedicated facility, you know, improving personnel, the equipment that you'd be using for that. So it's probably a blending of the two. On the Taiwan thing, clearly there are concerns about China's designs on Taiwan and the potential use of force to bring Taiwan back under the control of the Chinese Communist Party out of Beijing. So if you're hearing inklings of Americans being uh, recommended to leave or, or you know, being pulled out of that country, it would be an indicator that those concerns on the American side are increasing, that something bad might be happening. If you look at a map and you see how far away Taiwan is from the United States or Japan or Guam and how close it is to China, it wouldn't take much for China to isolate Taiwan, and especially with air traffic, which is about the only way to get in and out of there, make it very difficult to evacuate people. Recall the difficulty of evacuating American citizens um, out of uh, uh, Sudan here just in the past month. You know, that big uh, problem. All the other countries are taking their people out, and our folks were having to take a long, treacherous you know, 500 mile drive. Uh, and then there was, you know, the debacle in Afghanistan. So mm. it, it's worrying, but I don't know much more about the details at this point in time. Dakota, with all of these, um, with all of these occurrences that we've described, with everything that we've been monitoring over the last, you know, now nearly two and a half years of a Biden administration and all of its foreign policy problems and dealings it's had, have you been able to get a sense of what their foreign policy position generally is? I mean, like we could look back to Reagan and say, OK, generally right. you think of peace through strength with Donald Trump. It was America first. He was very engaged on the world stage, despite what some people mm -hmm. thought he would be. He was very engaged, but it was always America first. Is, is Joe Biden's foreign policy any more than Barack Obama 2.0 leadership from behind on all these matters? Well, it, it's less than that. It, it's always reactive. Right. So mm -hmm. it is very mm -hmm. risk averse. They don't want to get involved in anything that might entangle the administration or force them to take action until they are forced to take action. <laughs> right? So those are two different things, at least under the Obama administration. We had diplomats that were out there. They were you know, trying to get others uh, to uh, take the lead on things, even at the expense of U.S. interests. So it was kind of this you know, as you said, lead from behind. So we're pushing everybody else to get out there and take more responsibility, even if they were unable to do that, as opposed to being a leader, right? And bringing everybody else along, you know, what is in America's best interest? And whatever that is, that's an American first policy uh, that we had under uh, Trump. But I think on the Biden team, it's not even pushing other people so that you can kind of ride the wave that you're trying to create. It, it's, it's avoidance and it's timidity and they do the minimum um, that they can get away with until the circumstances are so overwhelmingly, glaringly obvious 
that public pressure, political pressure, media pressure forces their hand. And, and, and in doing that, you have spent or wasted all of this time that's, that was opportunity, and you've created an even larger problem that makes it that much more difficult to deal with, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you had acted mm-hmm. earlier, like in Ukraine or anyplace else, the problem could have been dealt with when it was very small instead of letting it get larger. So I think that's basically what I'm seeing in their approach to foreign policy. Dakota, I want to wrap up on something that's uh, that's definitely a, a lot more positive of the subject, and it's giving honor where it's due. You wrote a great article uh, over the last week about D-Day. We had the 79th anniversary, mm-hmm. and Dakota, I started this week. I started doing something that I've tried to make a habit every summer. And that's to rewatch the famous HBO miniseries Band of Brothers about the yeah. airborne Easy Company in World War II. It's just such it's such an it's such an incredibly well done docudrama. Uh, Dakota, you wrote D Day may not be an official holiday, but it deserves reverence akin to that of Memorial Day. Dakota, I always thought that you know whatever the special interest group might be, it seemed it to, in in my humble opinion, there's too many special interest groups that have entire months dedicated to them. And we only throw a day or two here and there on the calendar for those men and women who have offered to give us the ultimate sacrifice. And they only get a day here and there. I think we need a month for all of them. But anyway, I agree with you. Uh, tell us why D-Day should get a lot more attention uh, than, than it does. It was a representation of American will, spirit, and industrial capacity in the years leading up to it. So this kind of almost a culminating event where you had the military power needed to defeat Nazi Germany that was pouring across the, the English Channel. So, that, you know, that couldn't happen overnight. It was, you know, warning signs in 1938-39 or so. People were volunteering, joining the military, working in factories. I mean, it was just America at its best, not in a warmongering way, but there is a problem. There are dangers to freedom and democracy and other peoples, and we're going to roll up our sleeves and do what needs to be done for a period of years to make D-Day possible. And then when all that stuff you know, was, was brought together, we're going to take back Europe with, you know, the, 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 with the Brits and, and the French and everybody else who's throwing in on that and defeat Nazi Germany. Had that not occurred, can you imagine what Europe would look like today and what America's posture would be in mm-hmm. the world? I mean, this is one of these pivotal moments in world history that was really brought to bear on that on that particular day and in the sacrifices of those people that charged across those beaches and climbed the cliffs and pushed on into uh, France. It's an amazing piece. You got some really amazing stats in here that kind of bring it all home about how momentous this really was. Dakota, thanks for writing. Thanks for writing that piece. Thanks for being with us as you are every week. We appreciate all the service you've done for our country and continue to do. And we'll look forward to speaking with you next week. God bless my friend. Take care. Have a great weekend. You too as well. Dakota Wood, Senior Research Fellow for Defense Program, Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. Oh, I should have wished him a happy Father's Day as well. Happy Father's Day to Dakota Wood. We'll be back right after this, 731 on the Heartland. Don Luzader with all the local news you need to know. And then we can take your phone calls, 417-866-0933. Missouri State Senator Denny Hoskins running for Secretary of State at 745-933, AM 560, KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO News. KWTO News time is 731. In Springfield, we have some sunshine. We're at 59 degrees. It's going to be a pleasant day overall today. Sunshine with a high reaching 87 degrees this afternoon. Now, we do have 
a chance for some scattered thunderstorms Thursday night, tonight into tomorrow. And a complex of storms will actually develop across the plains Thursday night, move toward the area on Friday. Strong storms will be possible with some gusty winds and hail being the main risk. Locally, heavy rainfall also a good bet. Overall, better potential for any severe activity will be just south of the area, but some of that could end up clipping portions of southern Missouri. Officials at the Greene County Juvenile Detention Center say more kids are committing violent crimes. Two teenagers were arrested recently for a fatal shooting in Springfield earlier this month. Police say youth gun violence is a problem that takes a community-wide effort to solve. Bill Prince, Greene County Juvenile Officer and Family Court Administrator, says juveniles possessing guns is not against the law. Former Police Chief of Highlandville filing a federal lawsuit against the city. Warren Hager accuses the city of violating his First Amendment rights and retaliating against him after he spoke to the media. The city fired Hager back in February. The lawsuit also accuses Mayor Clint Ellingsworth of misusing $200,000 in COVID-19 relief funding. And a man from Springfield has been sentenced to 16 years in prison. Traffickers and violent criminals. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Double hot quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and a cherry coke town. Mama and daddy. I'm an economic growth guy. So you want to talk more broadly about economic growth? Unlock American energy. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear. Stop paying people to stay at home. Solve our workforce problem that way. Reform the Fed. I'm a, I'm a single mandate guy. Stabilize the U.S. dollar. Forget the dual mandate. Dismantle the administrative state. Reform the tax system. I think this is how we actually stimulate economic growth for the country, something we haven't seen in a long time. So if he doesn't win the nomination, and you know what? Boy, he makes an, he makes a really good case for us to consider the guy. I know he just came on the political scene. A lot of people have no idea he's running yet because people aren't paying attention yet, other than all you all who listen to us every morning. Um, that's Vivek Ramaswamy. And how crazy is it that, you know, <clears throat> I pretty much went from knowing no Viveks to knowing two Viveks. <laughs> We've got Vivek Ramaswamy running for president on the national scene. We've got Vivek Malik right here in the state of Missouri. Running for re-election as treasurer. He was uh, appointed treasurer by Governor Mike Parson. Anyway, <clears throat> Vivek Ramaswamy there. What a great dude. And so if he doesn't win the nomination, if they don't offer him a position in the cabinet somewhere, or they're crazy. Or vice president. Or vice president. Whatever. Yeah. Can sure. you imagine? I was thinking, <clears throat> because he was talking economics there, I was just automatically yeah. thinking cabinet. I, I completely agree with Cass. Um Maybe this first time. Uh, he, yeah, vice president. Vice president. I mean, Cass, it, when people of color speak like from the heart and from the soul and from the mind, like I, Vivek Ramaswamy means everything he says. He's not, he's not some fake phony Uncle Tom, like what the media or the left wants to portray him. He believe he obviously believes those things. The guy never uses cue cards, a teleprompter or anything. He just totally speaks off the cuff. He's brilliant. He's an entrepreneur. He loves capitalism. He's an immigrant, a person of color. People like that cast just destroy the left wing narrative, right? Leftists, old white liberal racist leftists, they don't know what to do with hardcore conservatives 
like Vivek Ramaswamy, do they? If I thought it was possible to get him voted in, I would hop the DeSantis train, hop onto mm-hmm. Vivek's train. But can you imagine the 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 if Vivek was either Trump or DeSantis's vice president, they the left would lose their minds because they wouldn't be able to call DeSantis or Trump racist anymore. Right. They, they wouldn't because right. how could you if they picked a young like what is he Indian? I think he's Indian. Indian man. <laughs> yeah, Ramaswamy as their I think vice he's Indian. president. I yeah. think that would be brilliant. Or if they chose Tim Scott, who would equally be a great vice president. Although I think Vivek's a little sharper than Tim Scott. But um, yeah, no, I think that that would be a brilliant choice for them. Young, energetic. Then he could rise up and take their place in eight years, four years, or eight years, depending on whether it's DeSantis or Trump. I mean, that would be a great choice. <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy is 37 years old. He has a <laughs> long great. future ahead of him. He is an American entrepreneur, uh, according to Wikipedia, which is wrong usually about everything, but I think they're right about this. So where did he come from? He, well, he, his parents came from India. Um, he founded the biopharmaceutical company Rovant Sciences, R-O-I. I guess that's pronounced Royvant or Rovant. Uh, Royvant Sciences in 2014. Oh, my goodness. This guy hit the ground running after he was working as an investment partner. So he knows science. He knows technology. He knows finance. He knows investing. He's freaking brilliant. And, you know, something you may not know because, of course, the corporate corrupt media keeps this from you. Uh, Generally, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to stereotype here, but in general, uh, especially of the Sikh origin, um, Indian, as in India, Indians uh, are generally conservative. They're generally conservative people. But see, the media could never tell you that an entire region of the world, an entire race of people of color are conservatives. They could never admit that. They could never say that, well, all Indians are conservative. I'm not, and I'm not saying all Indians are conservatives, but a, all the ones I've met are. And there's a huge swath, and especially of the Sikh religion, uh, the Sikh persuasion, S-I-K-H, they're ultra conservative. And they're incredible business owners. And they love America. My good friend, Ben, I always screw up Ben's last name, man, because it's, Ramaswamy kind of rolls off the tongue, right? I've, I've gotten very used to saying that. Ben's name is, let me look it up here so I don't screw it up. Uh, my good friend, Ben, who is also of, he's he's second generation uh, Indian American. Uh, his parents came here and you know what Ben told me? Ben said, Tim, my parents totally believe in the great American melting pot. They gave me an American name, Ben. He goes, you know, my middle name is in, you know, my middle name is is very ethnic, but they gave me Ben because they wanted me to be an American, not an Indian American. They wanted me to be an American, part of the great American melting pot. And Ben is one of the most conservative guys I know. He works for Americans for tax reform. He's one of my buddies there. Uh, last name is Raja Durai. I think it's Raja Durai, Raja Durai, Raja Durai. I think the J is silent. R-A-J-A-D-U-R-A-I, Raja Durai. Ben is a huge fan of Ramaswamy, as you would expect. Uh, you know, homeboy. Uh, so, you know, th- the media, like Cass said, they just pretend 
that people like Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, and others, Candace Owens, that they don't exist. And then they when they become incredibly prominent, like Larry Elder, and run for governor of a state, well, then they're the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> you can never be ideologically, you can never be an ideologically pure conservative as a person of color, according to the racists in the leftist media. Two things. One, currently the GOP presidential field has more diversity than the Democrat presidential field. So that's worth mm-hmm. pointing out. Secondly, the reason that some of these Indian families are a lot more conservative than and anyone wants to say on the left is because they hold to very strict family values and mm-hmm. very, you know, mm-hmm. nuclear family centered traditional gender roles to the max. Their children are parented very strict, like, you know, how they set up their marriages and how they do dating culture. It's all the father is the head of the household. Oh, and the left hates it's that. extremely nuclear family centered. Yes. Yeah, the and they're very modest. That. They're very yes. modest and they're very yes, academic. They yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. The left hates them. Yeah. That's why they don't talk about them. People of color as conservatives. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, they terrorize the left, and I hope they continue to terrorize them. More Vivek's, definitely, indeed. Uh, all right, seven, nearly 7.45 here in the Heartland. When we take a break, Don Luzader is going to provide all the traffic news and notes you need to know. Then, when we come back, we're going to speak to my good old longtime friend, Missouri State Senator, serve with them in the House, Denny Hoskins. He's decided to run for Secretary of State. We're going to ask him how he made that decision, what his platform is, how you can get involved if you're interested, and more. 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Very heavy traffic volume, at least a little bit of sunshine on your way in this morning. Uh, looking at the traffic cameras, Battlefield and Cam- uh, uh, Battlefield and uh, Campbell over by the uh, Walgreens. Looks like about five or six cars uh, there at the traffic light uh, on each uh, side of the intersection, but I'm certainly not seeing any big delays as far as vehicles being able to get through and uh, Americans someone do something about it 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO you're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones News Director Don Luzader and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO Welcome back to 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. It is Thursday, June 15th, 2023. Happy birthday to my oldest daughter, Katie, who is now 18 years old. Our next guest is not going to believe that because he knows Katie. He remembers Katie when she was a little girl and I was in the house with him. Uh, it is 7.48 here, Central Standard Time, Central Daylight Time. And we are not that far away, folks, barely a year away from the next big major election here in the state of Missouri. That will be the August 2024 primary. There are going to be a lot of people for you to consider on the ballot because every single statewide office will be up for grabs except for auditor. And we will have a U.S. Senate race. Yep, Josh Hawley running for, boy, that was a fast six years. Josh Hawley running for re-election as well. Let's speak to one of the candidates who's going to appear on your ballot. That would be Missouri State Senator Denny Hoskins, who has thrown his hat in the ring to run for Secretary of State. Denny, good morning to you. Welcome back to KWTO. Hey, good morning, Tim. It's Thanks great for having me. you with us, Denny. 
So, Denny, um, tell folks a little bit about you. Uh, I know all about you, but I want you to tell it in your own words to the audience. You and I served in the house together, so I've known you a long time. But introduce yourself to our audience here in southwest Missouri. Yes, th- thanks, Tim. Yes, you and I served together in the Missouri State House. I was a state rep uh, from the Warrensburg, Missouri area for eight years, and I've been a state senator now for seven years. Uh, my real profession outside of the capital is I'm a certified public accountant, work for a CPA firm. Uh, I've got uh, five five kids and three grandkids and been serving, like I said, in, in the state for about 15 years now, focusing on conservative uh, values and, and conservative bills that I know you're very passionate about as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Denny, I had no idea you had three grandkids. Now you really made me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Yes, My goodness. I, Time flies. I know. I know. I know. Yes, I've got a, a six-year-old, a, a two-year-old, and a newborn. So all three boys, and, and they're um, the six-year-old's getting started in, in coach pitch baseball, or he calls it pitch coach. And so it's fun to go watch him play baseball and, and just be around them. But, yes, it time flies. That's for sure. That is fantastic. Denny, I know we're going to talk about uh, why you entered the race for Texas Secretary of State, what your platform is, but I want to ask you about some of your recent service here for the state. First of all, sure. you have been a member You have been a member of what has been uh, commonly referred to as the conservatives in the state Senate, the conservative caucus. Uh, what, whether there's an official title or not, uh, you definitely have a more conservative voting record than some of your colleagues. So I want to ask you, Denny, why is that so? Why in a super majority a Republican legislature, you know, I've got my theories on this, but you're, you're on the out, you're on the inside looking out. Could you explain what are the current dynamics in the Missouri legislature that we elect all these Republicans, but we just don't have enough conservatives and how can we change that? Yeah, most certainly we do have 24 Republicans in the Missouri state Senate, but unfortunately just because uh, many of us have the R behind our name doesn't make us conservative. And I think what we've seen is we've had a lot of elected officials. They say one thing on the campaign trail and really talk a good conservative game. But then when they get to Jeff City, they vote differently. And so I have been a, a proven conservative. You know, I filed bills. In fact, the governor did sign my Senate Bill 236 this year to ban transgender surgeries on minors. Mm. Uh, that was mm. uh, Senator Moon, Senator Carter, and, and myself, yes. And so they combined our bills together, uh, as well as I've been – you know, fighting, uh, I was a co-sponsor on the Save Girls Sports Act to make sure that biological boys don't compete in girls' sports. But, you know, back to your original question, um, unfortunately, when we have good conservative legislation and we see other states like Florida uh, that have less of a Republican majority than we do in the state of Missouri, and they're able to get good conservative things done, uh, except in Missouri, you know, for another example, we had, um, I offered an amendment to the budget on House Bill 2. House Bill 2 is our funding for elementary and secondary education. And my amendment basically just said, hey, we're not going to spend any money on diversity, equity, inclusion, critical race theory, environmental, social governance kind of issues. And 13 Republicans joined with me. We had 14 yes votes, but nine Republicans joined with nine Democrats uh, to have 18 votes and defeat my amendment. So, um, you know, I know at the beginning of your show, you talked about, hey, you need to vet all these candidates. And, and most certainly um, you, you should do that on the secretary of state race. You should do that on your state mm-hmm. rep races, mm-hmm. state uh, Senate races and, and up and down the board. Find out candidates that not only uh, are talk a good game, but actually uh, walk the walk and, and do what they say they're going to do. 
Danny, well, after nearly uh, 16 years in the Missouri legislature and with many accomplishments to boot, uh, you must be a true glutton for punishment because now you're deciding to run statewide to run the run the herd on this bunch. Uh, Daddy, why? Why secretary of state? And what would you like to accomplish for the people of Missouri if elected? Well, I think secretary of state has always been an office that I've been interested in. You know, it. People know the Secretary of State's office basically because of the elections, although they do a lot of other things as well. Libraries, uh, they're in charge of the public libraries. They're in charge of setting up businesses. Uh, they're in charge of investor relations and investor um, fraud for seniors and things like that. But, you know, I have filed bills in the past. Uh, right now we have voter ID in the state of Missouri. We also banned Zuckerbucks, which I think was a, a key to helping uh, make sure that our state you know, stays red. Uh, we also uh, banned drop boxes, and that was legislation that I'd filed. Uh, one of the other things that I did file this past legislative session, Senate Bill 350, was to establish the Office of Election Integrity and Security. And we have thousands upon thousands of illegal immigrants flowing in over the border, and we know that uh, they could have a, a big influence on our elections, especially in 2024 and later on. And so I want to make sure that we do everything we can in order to make sure uh, so they don't vote. You know, only U.S. citizens should vote. Um, so I, I think that's that's one of the reasons, uh, one of the main reasons. I want to make sure that, hey, only U.S. citizens vote in Missouri elections and, and we continue to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Danny, what about uh, this, uh, something that people are probably not very aware of because it hasn't been on a ballot yet, although we've been discussing it here on this program for at least a year or so because I know the threat of it has been out there. This effort, Denny, by the far left and unfortunately some uh, all too willing Republican consultants to try to push forward a, uh, a, a ranked choice voting scam is what I call it here yes. in our state, rigged choice voting. Now they're calling it approval voting. Denny, do we need to vote in a different way in our state or is our system fine the way it is and has been for the last 200 plus years? Yes, our system is fine the way it is. We do not want ranked choice voting, and I've been a vocal opponent of ranked choice voting, uh, not only over the airwaves, but at the Capitol as well. Um, you know, we've seen what happens in other states. Basically, you get uh, more liberal candidates, and we definitely do not want ranked choice voting. Hopefully, I know they were trying to gather signatures within the past couple of years. That did not materialize, but we need to make sure that uh, ranked choice voting does not come to the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Speaking to Missouri State Senator Denny Hoskins of the great state of Missouri, he is running for Secretary of State. You can find him at DL Hoskins on Twitter. Denny, before we let you go, um, tell us briefly, got about a minute and a half left or so, uh, what's next for you after you've launched the campaign and how can folks participate and get involved if they're interested in checking you out? Yeah, thanks, Tim. Yeah, I think one of the Big ways is is just volunteering, whether that's uh, parades. Um, We have a big volunteer network. We did just launch the campaign for Secretary of State last week in Warrensburg. We had a little over 300 people show up to show their support uh, for me uh, becoming the new Missouri Secretary of State. But you can reach out to me online, uh, like I said, uh, on Twitter, D.L. Hoskins. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, There's lots of ways to get get into the campaign. We we need all the volunteers we can get and we have your listener support out there. That's for sure. 
Mm. Well, Danny, I congratulate you and commend you for doing this. Running a statewide election is a notable undertaking indeed. Wish you all the best and we'll love to have you back here again soon sometime to tell us how things are going and also to discuss the next legislative session as it approaches. Yes, thanks for having me, Tim. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Denny, thank you so much for all your service to our state. At DL Hoskins on Twitter. Denny Hoskins running for Secretary of State. Next year, folks, is the primary. Barely a year away, right? I know we say it's a year away. It's going to be a quick year indeed. I mean, can you believe it's already June 15th? We're almost halfway through 2023. Not sure where the first half of this year has gone. 7.58 here in the Heartland. One hour of the big show left. Haley Frizzle Green going to be in to talk to us about KWTO and a little history lesson related there, too. Lots more straight ahead here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Springfield's home of the Dan Bongino Show. This is what I find ironic and why people want to get away from dumb liberals. Because liberals swear by government. They want to give government a big hand. They want to give them a backup. They love government. They kiss the ass of it. They worship it. Dan Bongino. It is their, the Zeus Mount Olympus God. And yet the minute their own government that they love.